Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Pat Stanford. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion rehabilitation, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They have greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. You can learn more about me at facesoftbi.com. And also be sure to check out the Brain Health Academy that I have co-created with Sue Wilson of CTE Hope while you're there. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. So thank you everyone for tuning in today. It has been about a month since I had my last podcast because I was traveling the entire month of March for Brain Injury Awareness Month. And I spoke at several conferences and I um, was on a panel at the Mind Your Brain Conference in Philadelphia. Um, I keynoted at Delaware and Baltimore conferences and I attended Awareness Day on Capitol Hill and I just been just a crazy, crazy month, and I'm so happy to be back at my normal routine um, with the podcast. And so today, my guest is Pat Stanford, and Pat was born in Philadelphia, but moved to Florida with family when she was one. She has had poetry published in several and won second place in the 2004 Seven Hills Contest with her short story, Divorce Sale. Fixing Boo Boo is a slightly fictionalized account of what happens when a brain-injured sibling comes to live with a sister who doesn't know that means. It's her first novel-length work. She lives in Tallahassee, Florida with her husband and a quirky cat and is currently working on a new novel as well as ghostwriting a book for a CEO. So welcome to the podcast, Pat. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. I I love people who put fun facts in their bio and um, tell me more about the quirky cat. <laughs> well, <laughs> we had another cat. Yeah, we had uh, another cat, and um, we thought it would be a good idea uh, to have a companion for him. And that turned out to be a not a good idea at all. <laughs> so she spent most of her time under the bed for the first two months she was here. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> the other cat uh, was stealing her food, guarding the cat box, just <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff. So she she became very anxious, and um, it turns out a friend of mine wanted uh, my other cat. So 
we let him go, and so we just have her now trying to kind of maybe rehabilitate her from her terrors of of our first cat. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) Well, Pat. So she's a little quirky. A little quirky. So I'm so happy to have you here. And you wrote your book, Fixing Boo Boo. Um, And like you said, it's a fictionalized account of your true story. (laughs) And so why don't you give our listeners just a little history, um, a brief synopsis of what your real life scenario is that the book is based off of. Okay. Well, unfortunately, my sister uh, passed away in 2012. And the book came about from uh, the notes and emails and uh, lists that caregivers have to keep in order to follow up with the medical uh, industry because they simply a lot of times don't do what they need to do. And uh, if you don't follow up, you don't. Sometimes they don't get the care they need. And um, I was cleaning my um, computer files out, and I thought, well, you know, somebody could probably be helped by this information. And so I started putting it into some kind of a timeline. And um, at that time, I had rejoined uh, Tallahassee Writers Association and um, joined a critique group. And they helped me. Without without them, I would not, not have produced this book. But uh, after three years, we 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 all felt that it was ready to go to an editor and then on to a publisher. So it came about from... Um, wanting to share some information uh, and my knowledge garnered from having to be a caregiver uh, is where it came from originally. And it's fictionalized because uh, there's dialogue that may or may not have happened in it, uh, mainly to move the story. Mm -hmm. And so tell us what happened with your sister and how did she acquire her brain injury? Well, um, she, she had a slight case of cerebral palsy when she was born, but she she was able to function very well. Um, and her first TBI was in the 80s, and uh, she was hit by a dump truck that ran a stop sign, uh, and she wound up under the dashboard of uh, a truck that she and her boyfriend at the time were riding in. He he came out on pretty much unscathed. Um, she was in the hospital for about a week. Um, so it wasn't. It didn't look terrible. I mean, a lot of them don't look bad. Right. Uh, she had a little half moon scar on her forehead, but she went back to work. And she, when she was going back to work, she was still on the narcotic drugs from the first injury, and she fell asleep at the wheel and had her second injury. Um, she recuperated from that, and um, she met and married somebody. Uh, who was a sailor, and uh, he refurbished a sailboat. And on the third, um, I forget what the year was, but they decided, just the two of them and another cat, decided to go to sail out of St. Augustine. Yeah, (laughs) sail out of St. Augustine around the tip of Florida in their 28-foot sloop. And uh, on that trip, she had her third brain injury when the sailboat boom hit her in the head. Um, he couldn't help her because they were in rough seas, and so she had to basically get up by herself and kind of nurse her egg on her head. And when I finally got to port, I guess she got some help. I uh, never did hear that story, but anyway, uh, she's had three. Uh, she had three of them. 
um, <clears throat> each with a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, trauma each time. Right. And, you know, we know that you know, the first injury probably left her with some impairments, even if they were very, very small. And then those cumulative injuries, I'm sure, just kept contributing and um, piling on top of one another. And, and was she getting appropriate help? Were they addressing the brain injuries? Um, was that even talked about at the time? Well, as I think most of your listeners will probably know, back in the 80s, um, very little was known yeah. about brain injury. Uh, today we have, you know, concussions from the NFL is becoming more and more uh, commonplace talking points, which is good. Uh, we have vets coming back from various wars uh, also with brain injuries, and they are helping put it at the forefront. But back in the 80s, um, they kind of patched you up and patted you on the head and kind of scooted you out the office and said, good luck. And uh, so back then, I don't think that they really, of course, they didn't have the uh, knowledge that they do now. Right. <clears throat> and so did so she at some point came that she came to live with you, right? And you became her caregiver? Right. What happened was her husband, the, the sailor, uh, was diagnosed with bone cancer, and he died within a very short period of time. I think it was only like six months from the time he was diagnosed to the time of his death. She could not really live by herself, and so we convinced her that, being family, that she might want to come up here and live with us in Tallahassee. She was in Gainesville, which is about three hours south of Tallahassee. And... Um, with much ado, um, he had only been gone for less than a year, and she was concerned that she didn't have a full year to, to grieve. And I said, well, um, you know, we need to do what we need to do, uh, and, and I think it's time we do, you know, take care of this. And so we sold her house, and she came up here, and that's the reason she came to live with us. But uh, when you said that I didn't know what I was getting into, that is true. I really did not know. Uh, we were kind of not really estranged as sisters, but because she moved away when I was still in um, in college, um, we kind of lost track of each other for a little while. So um, when she had her brain injury, I knew she was in the hospital, but I certainly didn't know what brain injury was all about either. So we had no yeah. idea when she came up here what we were going to face. I don't think anybody really does because they're all different. Right, and that's what I was just going to say. You know, I, I don't think anyone ever knows what they're getting into. And, you know, that's, that's sort of the unfortunate problem with brain injury is, you know, you, you mentioned that it's getting better. We're talking about it with the NFL and concussions. Um, but it's still kind of a mystery to a lot of people. And, you know, my injury was only four years ago. And yeah. I mean, I thought I was the only person in the world with a brain injury. It was so incredibly isolating. And, you know, it wasn't until a year later when I found, you know, this amazing group of people out there that also have a common injury. Um, you know, like if you have cancer, you've probably met someone who and know someone who's gone through cancer, right? Where brain injury, you know, at least in my experience, I didn't really know anyone. And those people right. I did know who said that they'd had concussions, you know, playing hockey or whatever it was growing up, they always blew it off as like no big deal. 
And so when you're diagnosed, I was originally diagnosed with a concussion. And so you're just like, okay, why do I feel like such crap? Like what's going on? And, and I can't imagine as a caregiver to have that as well. And, and not, you know, on top, first of all, you don't know what's wrong with your loved one. You don't know how to help them. And then you don't know how right. to articulate to the doctors. And it, it's just such an incredible web. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it? And, and so that's why uh, brain injury support groups are very important. And my sister was a part of one down in Gainesville. When she came here, she, she, I had never heard of such a thing. Uh, and so when she came here, she said something about it. And I said, well, I don't. I don't know where to, to even start. Well, she found out. You know, I mean, She was brand new to town, and she found out. Um, so we started going and I, I was looking for answers and, um, I got a few answers there. Uh, but at least you, if you're part of a support group, um, and, and in the back of the, in the back of my book, uh, fixing boo boo, I have, um, a list of brain injury support groups or excuse me, brain injury associations and affiliations in the United States listed alphabetically by state. Uh, to help people to get started somewhere, um, which was one of the main focuses uh, my publisher wanted to, to to do, is to help people. You know, here's my story, but here's some help. You know, for you if you've got it. Uh, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so those support groups become a very interesting uh, and important first step for people to um, to get started if you don't know where to start. Um, yeah. We just, just just this past Saturday we had a walkabout. We call them walkabouts for brain injury awareness, and um, we had a walkabout uh, raised over eight thousand dollars in two hours. That's uh, amazing. For, yeah. So um, it, it's all for. It was covered by local media, and it's posted on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, again, you know, it's all about telling people, you know, that this can happen to you. you. You're not, you are not immune to this at all. You know, it could happen to you tomorrow, and you don't know. You don't know. So, very important uh, to get started with some kind of a, a support group or some kind of group that, like you just said, uh, that there are other people out there just like you. And if I may um, tell you and your listeners, that I am writing a follow-up book. Uh, while Fixing Boo Boo was my story, and my, so- my story about me and my sister and my husband dealing with that, uh, the follow-up book, which is not titled yet, will be up to 30 families' stories, um, and, and they are all – I've already done six interviews. Uh, they are all different. They are all uh, – some of them are concussions. Some of them are brain injuries. Some of them are acquired brain injuries, where there's a West Nile virus or a, you know, um, viral encephalitis instead. Uh, those are brain injuries too, and they're not TBI, but they are a brain injury. And I think it's important for people to understand that there's so many different ways that your brain can be hurt. You know, and you bring up such a great point. I have met so many people who have had um, brain tumors removed and the doctors give them zero, like they don't even tell them anything that they'll have problems afterwards. And I mean, brain surgery to have a tumor removed is, you know, that's an acquired brain injury. And I've Mm -hmm. met so many people 
who have been through that. And it's just frustrating to me that it's 2018 and doctors still aren't preparing a patient that you could potentially have, you know, lifelong problems, you know, short term memory or fatigue or whatever it might be, you know, um, it's just, sure. it just blows my mind that it's 2018 and yeah. we haven't, you know, stepped up the game quite where it should be yet. Pat, what would you say when your sister came to live with you, what would you say were the things that you weren't expecting um, with, with your sister's um, symptoms and injury? Oh, the, <laughs> or all um, of them. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the lashing out at me, uh, anger issues. Oh, that yeah. uh, it, She wasn't angry at me, but she, I just happened yeah. to be handy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was frustrated and angry, and uh, I got the – it was very stressful, very stressful. Yeah. Um, and also the – the secretiveness that she and I'm not saying everybody with brain injuries this way, but uh, and certainly you can't pile them all in one one basket. But she was very secretive. Um, she would stay on the phone for hours, and of course she didn't get out much, and that was her outlet. She couldn't read because she couldn't remember what she just read. Yeah. Um, when she did get onto what we call dial-a-ride, which is where you dial them up and pay $2 each way. The bus comes and picks you up and takes mm-hmm. you wherever you want to go. Uh, when she got on that, and she would start uh, meeting people that were uh, narcotics, anonymous people, and started inviting them to our house when we felt like our house was not safe. Um, things like that. I mean, I, I, I certainly wasn't expecting that. And when my husband suggested that we do this, it was, you know, it's his fault. Uh, when my husband <laughs> suggested that we do this, um, um, he had no idea. He thought he was getting two sisters back together. Uh, he did yeah. not know that we were going to be adopting a, a um, eventually a mental case. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, that the anger stuff is, such a big problem for so many. I'm fortunate that I didn't have the anger. I was much more like I was just constantly mellow. Like I didn't have any fluctuation in my personality. Like I didn't get excited and I didn't get mad. I was very, very flat. Um, But I know anger, you know, that frontal lobe damage can really cause anger issues. And, um, oh, I'm I'm losing the word. Um, You know, not making good choices. Uh, I can't think of the yeah. right word for that. Impulse control. Um, you know, it sounds like she had some of that. And, you know, I met this gal. She was real young. She was, like, in her 20s and was hit by a car at college. And when her parents, they had to buy a lock to actually lock her in her bedroom. Because she would, like, leave and just, like, go out at 2 in the morning and go for a walk. Because she just didn't understand that it's nighttime. You need to be in the house. Um and she would let, like, the UPS man would deliver a package. And she would open the door and be like, oh, do you want to come in and have some coffee? You know? Like, she was just trying yeah. to, like, she just, she had no concept of, oh, this is the UPS man just doing his job. And, you know, yeah. I can see where with your sister, with inviting the Narcotics Anonymous people over, I, you know, I can see where she just thought she was doing something to be nice. And she had no right. idea that the danger that 
was possible. The danger that. that she was putting herself in, the danger she was putting yes. us in, and uh, the possibilities of uh, damage to the house and our property. Uh, mm-hmm. And you couldn't talk to her about it. So, yeah, that was kind of a, a little bit of a surprise. So how did you, you guys know, uh, handle that? I'm sorry? How did you guys handle that? With her inviting those people over and not being able to, to like have a rational well, conversation with her, we basically sat sat her down and said, "Look, this cannot happen." Um, of course, then she would get angry again. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, it kind of took care of itself, unfortunately. Um, one of she she was using our friends as um, transportation when she couldn't get a dial ride bus. Uh, to take her to different places, and one time uh, a friend was taking her to a doctor appointment, and she mentioned at the doctor's appointment that she is, she thought about saving up a bunch of pills and and taking them. Of course, that got her Baker acted, and uh, mm-hmm. so when she came back, she was rather um, su- subdued, I guess. Um, and then it happened again less than a year later, uh, probably about nine months later. She um, <clears throat> was going to the hospital because she said she had something wrong with her legs, uh, cellulitis or something wrong with her legs, and it was very painful. And um, that was just a way to get into the hospital. So, And she said to a nurse, the, the, the admitting nurse, that she had thought about taking a bunch of pills. <laughs> there, here we go again, Baker acted again, this time for you know, a longer period of time, and and from there, um, we had told um, <clears throat> the caseworker that we really, really were not equipped to handle somebody with this um, <clears throat> extensiveness of a problem. I said we thought we, I, I said we, the brain injury is one thing, but the behavioral things is something we had no idea about and quite frankly cannot handle because neither one of us are home during the day. We were both working at the time and um, they took us seriously the second time and so she was put into a, a group home and uh, uh, and then in and out of the hospitals and that was kind of the end sort of. Yeah. You know, and and I'm glad you're talking about this because I think this is important for any caregivers listening. Like, it is. It can be very, very challenging. And, you know, her behavior is is a result of brain injury. And, you know, there may have been some of that before her brain injury or maybe not. Um, And it's not that all of a sudden she's gone mentally ill. It's, It's that the brain isn't working it's it's literally not firing the way that it should be and i think this is where people get lost in the system and they keep getting written off as mental illness and keep getting put on pills and then those pills make them actually more mentally ill you know like because if you've ever read the side effects of those pills you know um depression yes exactly when she first came here i took her (laughs) Yeah, when she came here, I took her list of medications and uh, put them in alphabetical order and started looking at them online to see what they did and discovered that more than two or three of them should not be taken together with some of the others. And that, to me, 
is her primary caregiver down in Gainesville's fault because um, that should have been monitored, and it was not. So yeah, uh, yeah, that was one of the first things they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know what the. In fact, we had her get her off of one of them because it was making her hand shake all the time, and she was falling asleep on the couch all the time. I mean, she wouldn't do anything but sit. sit. She was like catatonic all the time. I'm like, well. Do I want a sister that's not catatonic, or do I want to, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah. we took her off of that one, and then we regretted doing it because then, then the um, the behavioral issues really started surfacing after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with, with and, and you know, I think it's really important when people are on more than one or two medications that someone is closely monitoring them, um, meaning a medical professional. Because I, I, so often people get put onto, let's just say, an antidepressant. If you are an antidepressant, you should be meeting with a therapist at least once a month. Like somebody should be monitoring you. But far too often these people get put on these drugs and then there's just no monitoring. You know, like you said, the doctor should have seen if she's on 10 medicines and five of them interfere with the other five, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a problem. And it's yeah. so, so, so unfortunate. Yeah, it sure is. Can I ask your listeners if they would be interested in telling their story in a, in a, in that follow-up book that I mentioned earlier? Uh, sure. If you yeah, are interested they... in... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, how do they get in touch with you? But it sounds like you're already uh, going there. My <laughs> email address, okay. My email address is fixingboo at gmail.com. If you email me your uh, name and phone number, what I'd like to do is send you a list of name, uh, excuse me, a list of questions that I would ask, and it will be a phone interview. It can be anywhere in the United States. I've got a couple of people in Canada that are uh, I'm interviewing. Uh, in fact, I have some in, in Sydney, Australia. I've got two in Sydney and one in the UK. So um, this is not necessarily a regional type thing. So if you are interested in telling your story, fixingboo at gmail.com and just send me your, you know, I'll obviously have your email address, but if you'll send me your uh, phone number, then I will send you a list of questions and then we can set up a time to have a phone interview. Awesome. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, All right. So Pat, we have just a couple minutes left and I am wondering if you have any, you know, words of advice that you would give other caregivers out there. Um, Yeah. Be patient. Um, It will change daily. Um, And do seek the help of any kind of support groups that you can. Um, if you don't know of a support group um, in your area, again, if you'll email me, I will I will supply that for you. But you can look them up. You can look at whatever whatever state you're in. You can just look for brain injury association or affiliation of whatever your state is, and you should be able to find something. Something will pop up. Uh, the the mother organization is a brain injury association of the United States brain injury association BIA US um, of America as uh, uh, Amy has said and um, <clears throat> they should be able to give you the uh, link or a way to get in touch with um, 
the association or affiliation in your state. And if you can find a support group in your state uh, and that's close to you, then I would highly recommend you start there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to help you out there a little bit. So the Brain Injury Association of America is BIAUSA.org. And um, they also have an 800 number you can call. Um, and they are really great about getting back to people and helping them find resources in their area. And if they don't know the resources in their area, they will try to help find someone who can help you. Um, so the BIAUSA.org um, is a really great resource. So, Pat, yeah. thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story with your sister. Um, thank you for writing your book. I mean, the more awareness there is, just it's, the, more, the more awareness continues to grow, um, the more I think people will start to understand and not have to suffer. You know, I suffered for over a year before I found anyone. Um, and my hope is that people find help so much sooner. Well, if you're not, I'm not really trying to sell anything, but if you want to check the the story out, it's on Amazon, uh, Fixing Boo Boo, and um, you can check it out there, or you can check it out on my publisher's web, website, which is yep. SYP Publishing. I, I have the link in the show notes, so if anyone awesome. wants to Thank find you. your book, yep, it's in the show notes, so you can just go there and click through um, to find it on Amazon. So thank you so much for being here, Pat. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed today's show. I hope that you have gotten some golden nuggets from Pat. And again, you can find all of our previous episodes and other information at facesoftbi.com. Another big thank you to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust in Minnesota at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And you follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Amy Zellmer. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. And thank you, everyone. Have a great day. And I will see you again in the next episode.